I think it's all over. It is now. Here is Kulisevsky. Here is Kane. He scores and silences the place. Coleman caught on it by Salah, and Salah is off and running now. Catch him if you can. Mo Salah, brilliant. In the center, Kane, goal. Alatelli, Aguero. So don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Get this straight into your uh, your inbox. Follow us on Twitter at WrongFootPod. Check out our website, wrongfootpodcast.com. And Joe, where can people reach out if they've got any thoughts, if they want to stack yeah. correct us? If they we got to work on this. Us. we got to work yeah. on getting this at the beginning of the pod. But So please email us at thewrongfootpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wrong Foot Podcast. Joe and I are back again to round up everything that's happened in the Premier League this last week. Joe, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Pretty good. I feel like I uh, cast a jinx on this week's Premier League games after last week talking about there being no draws, and we had a whole lot of draws this week, uh, and some not so great, as we'll get into. But other than that, doing good. Doing good. How are you feeling? Just getting uh, fresh off a, a Spurs victory. Feeling good? Feeling positive about the Mighty Spurs? Never felt more alive. (laughs) It wasn't the most scintillating game, but uh, (laughs) three points is three points. Yeah, they managed to delay it 15 minutes, and then I don't know what was going on with the ref's arm. Something was going on with his arm and his radio that wasn't working, but it was weird. And then it happened again in the second half. I don't understand that episode. Oh, we had it all. We had it all off the pitch. We had drones. We had... uh... (laughs) Traffic delays. We I forgot had, about the drone we had, weekend. We had it all this week. Uh, the drone might have been the most exciting part of the game, uh, to be honest. But, uh. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll kick off where there was an exciting game, uh, which saw Arsenal beat Man United 3-2. Uh, another jinx that I probably put on it was last week, talking about Man United being in the title race. Uh, and they've had a bit of a lackluster week with this result and uh, the result. Of I could have Palace. told you that. <laughs> Well, uh, what were your thoughts on this one? It was uh, what I, I I must say. This game, my my favorite part of this game was not only was it a great game, fun game to watch, was you know the Man City Man United game was very fun to watch. But then everyone is just talking about the offside goal, kind of ruins, takes away from the fun game. This one, I don't feel like really had any true controversy throughout the game, which is which is always good. It means you can just enjoy the game for what it is. Fun game. Man United take the lead. Arsenal get back uh, and then take the lead themselves. They may not hit back quickly, uh, and then Arsenal, I would say, deservedly win it, uh, but leave it pretty late to get the victory. What were your thoughts on this one? So, first of all, you know, obviously not an Arsenal man, but uh, <laughs> let me just tell you, I bet enough on Arsenal in this game to be an Arsenal <laughs> man. Uh, I really did not want the draw, but I mean, uh, I mean, I had Arsenal every way. I had, you know, I had obviously money line. I had. Uh, Race to two goals. I had raced to three goals. That was a nice little <laughs> added appetizer. I had both teams to score. I had Arsenal to win in over two and a half goals. I just, I just, a whole moose bush. I felt like there's no way Arsenal aren't winning this 2 1 or 3 3 1. And uh, we got there in the end. But yeah, so, so more importantly, into the game. Uh, who cares about my betting? Um, Lots of people. You know, this, this, Lots of people. This, I think for me, this was kind of like a, it was kind of like a, and I think for more people, more so than me, this was, this was very nostalgic because this was kind of the premier fixture from the late nineties to the early oats. Obviously when I started, you know, really getting into, you know, the premier league, this was kind of, 
you know, the banger versus the uh, Alex or Alex Ferguson era was kind of waning and it was kind of, you know, Man United was still at the top, but, you know, Arsenal were kind of struggling and there was growing frustration from the from the Emirates, uh, from the Gooners uh, about possibly moving on from Wenger and, you know, you had the whole Wenger out movement. So it was kind of nostalgic to see these two teams kind of duking it out at the top of the table again, right? Arsenal in first, Man United in third coming into the game. And so I thought that was cool, right? I thought, you know, the crowd was into it. It was a great atmosphere. And the beautiful thing about this game, unlike other games this week, is the action on the pitch matched all the build-up, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I, I, you know, obviously with, with what I was just talking about, with all the bets I made, obviously I was going in with an <laughs> Arsenal. We're going to win this game. Did you come in with a similar feeling? I well, no, because I was heavily like into Man United and how they've been playing lately, and I thought I kind of thought the the Crystal Palace game uh, was a, a bit of a blip in their in their season. I think they I've always thought they were going to come in and do what Newcastle did and kind of play spoiler and don't let um, don't let Arsenal play the game. But I think Casemiro missing was uh, a big key to them not being able to do that. I think if he's there in in the center of mm-hmm. midfield, um, I think he will... Like, we've seen how he plays. I'd always talk about how many yellow cards he should get a game. Like He would have been kicking people from the get-go to just throw them off their game and kind of rough them up a little bit. Um, and I think that was a big miss and probably overlooked that that gap a little bit too much. And, and I did think that Man United would be able to get a draw here. Um, but like you say, I think... Holistically, this is probably the, uh, and someone's probably going to tell me, you know, there's some top four race between these two in the last ten years or so that matter. But I feel like this is the first time that a league fixture between these two is like really mattered. It's kind of played into the title race, um, and it was just great to see that. And yeah, I thought Man United steal a point. They obviously didn't. Watching the game, I don't think they deserve to steal a point. I think uh, when they went 1-0 up, I was like, how has that happened? Because I felt like they'd barely touched the ball, um, let alone be creating too much. And it was definitely against the run of play. Um, but yeah, I think I think the deserved winners came out. But definitely thought Man United going into the game could play spoiler. But I was uh, I was wrong. Uh, they nearly did, um, but not, not how I expected them to play. Yeah, so I think in general... Arsenal were the better team. If you look at any XG, XG, you know, Arsenal were in the twos in almost every every different model. I saw our, Man United were barely over a half a goal in any of them, mm-hmm. mainly mired, you know, 0.3, 0.4 generally. And I thought that's, that's how I felt the game played out in watching it as well. And when you just look at the two Manchester United goals, right, the first one, Marcus Bradford, outside the box, he makes Partey... Uh, look a little silly with the cutback and then you know just drills it in the bottom left corner just a brilliant finish and here we are (laughs) Manchester United are up 1-0 kind of a little bit against two grain of play even early on and it was like how how are Arsenal going to respond right and how did Arsenal respond in Katia right and the it was you know crossing from Odegaard and I thought what it was actually poor defending from one Bissaka on the far post, he kind of just loses track of Enketia, and Enketia cuts in front of him and just has a free open header and, and finishes. And we're going to talk a lot about a lot, about a lot of guys today who had open headers who couldn't finish it. But here's Eddie Enketia off the bench. You know, you could go back a couple of weeks ago. We were questioning 
is he going to be good enough to fill Jesus's, you know, shoes? Arsenal going to have to bring someone in? And, you know, you could honestly make the case. I don't know how you drop in Kenti at this point. He's been that good. Right. Um, he's, he's a little bit different of a, of a, a target man than, than Jesus who kind of tries to make more runs off the ball and isn't always, um, you know, the forward point that you'd like in a striker. While Kenti is more of a traditional forward in that sense. But, um, you know, he puts that goal 1-1 in. I think we go into halftime 1-1. And to me, I got the sense, like, maybe Man United can get a point out of this. But I felt I really felt like that first half was really Arsenal in control. Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, like I say, the, the goal, the Rashford goal was definitely against the run of play. And I... I just didn't think that the second half was going to go well. I I didn't think Arsenal were going to come out, and I thought Arsenal would take the lead as they did. Um, I just expected them to kind of push on, but um, we see Saka get the goal. What was it about five six minutes after after the break, and then Martinez just gets one straight back. Almost it felt like, um, which again it just it just didn't really feel like that was supposed to happen. Right, but just just look at those two goals. Look at the difference in those two goals. Saka cutting in, yeah. you know, from the left-hand side, left-footed. Just a, a beautiful strike by De Gea. I mean, you, you had to hit it that pure to get it by him. And yeah. the perfect angle, and it goes in. And then you look at the Lissandro Martinez goal to tie it up, and it was kind of a, you know, it's off a corner. It was a sloppy goal. Uh, Ramsdale had come out for it, but Tommy Asu's in his way. They kind of deflect. Uh, Rams is not able to grab it. It falls to uh, Lissandro Martinez, who's able to kind of like, you know, seal head it into the goal. And it kind of just pops over. And I, I forget who the Arsenal defender was on the line, but couldn't quite get it. And, you know, it goes in and you're yeah. like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> that goal ties it up. And you're like, oh, this might be this is kind of like the Man United. We grew up under <laughs> Alex Ferguson, you know. Even when they play like crap, they squeak out these goals and they squeak out these draws and they, they're, you know, they don't let their opponents who might play better on the day get the best of them. And that's what we all thought. And, you know, I, I think even from that, you know, the last 25 minutes, you know, the ball was almost entirely in Arsenal's half. Um, they didn't create, you know, so many grade A chances, but they were definitely in the ascendancy. And it only looked like one team was going to win. And only one team should have won and deserved to win. Um, but this is football. It's not what you deserve. It's what happens, what, what right. you get, right? You can have two ugly goals, as we'll talk about in another fixture earlier, or two beautiful goals, but it's still going to count the same. And that last goal, um, the build-up, and Ketia there to finish it off. Um, you know, the Emirates go crazy. Um, they score, you know, in the 90th minute to take the lead 3-2. And it was just kind of a... I thought it was kind of the cherry on top of a really great performance. And, you know, we saw this reverse fixture earlier where Man United got the win 3-1, but they didn't necessarily overwhelm me. It was more like Arsenal just missed their chances and, you know, had defensive errors. But this was like Arsenal, despite it all, they were going to get the three points. And there was obviously a question of offsides. And I think Basaka just played them on. Um, And it was just... um, it was just what you want, right? This is a great, you know, this is a huge fixture. It's, you know, kind of Arsenal's the top of the table. Man United's trying to regain, you know, their supremacy. They're up to third. And we had a late winner. And it was just, it was very nostalgic, very, very, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Wow, this is, this is, this is what this feels like again. Yeah. And I think the, the key is what you mentioned around the last kind of 
15, 20 minutes of this game that Arsenal were really trying to win this game. And, you know, in the position Arsenal are in, different managers, different teams would probably say, oh, you know what, we've gone up, we keep kind of getting pulled back into this game, we don't want to risk anything, let's kind of try but like not try too hard that we don't leave ourselves exposed at the back but like they were like no we're winning this game right like they went out and won it and that's what you know is going to be the difference if they continue on to win the league these sorts of games where it's you you make the decision we're going to push on and you know kind of live by the sword die by the sword and and try and win this game and i think that was a great sign of of where this arsenal's team's going and kind of the mentality they have and then just another point around kind of one of the concerns we've had, and I think it's a valid concern around Arsenal, is their strength and depth and, you know, what they have on the bench. But I think it was really evident for Man United more so um, in this game with kind of like, yeah, their starting eleven is probably really good. Um, but, you know, beyond that, they they are pretty stretched when they have to go a bit deeper or, you know, Casemiro is suspended. So they're, they're already on a second choice midfielder and then, you know, they have to bring Fred on. And I know we gave Fred a lot of credit last week uh, for the Man City game, but... Uh, he kind of came on and I just remember seeing him just kind of running around like just classic Fred just not really doing much like not really breaking up the play or anything and it's just yeah I think one of the concerns we had for us was even more true for this Man United team as they stand they definitely need to build and you know Rashford is on some ridiculous goal scoring streak right now and I, I don't know how long that can continue um, you know it's like he's got a ridiculous number of goals in it's like eight in the last nine or something. Um, mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. But then without Rashford's goals, I, I, I don't know where goals are coming from. Yeah, Fernandez is going to get one here and there, but like he's not a goal scorer. He's a creative midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a concern. You know, Vegost, your boy, Velt, made his debut. Um, looked a little lost, in my Pretty opinion. Pretty invincible, yeah. Um, he kind of... Yeah, it just, I don't know if it was the right game for him to kind of find his footing in this league. But um, yeah, I think he, he, he didn't look great. Um, but nothing but plaudits for, for Arsenal and how well they played. And like I say, actually trying to win the game. And we'll talk about a couple of teams who definitely didn't try to win games this week. Um, but yeah, anything else on this one aside from being real fun? Yeah, so just, uh, yeah, a couple of things. One on each team. Man United, I think you mentioned it. Where are they getting their goals besides Rashford, right? Val Vekor, as we just talked about. Anthony didn't do much. McTominay was the sub for Casemiro. Um, I do think what – and I think what we've talked about is Man United, they're – you know, first year of Eric High, they're on the come up, but they're not where they want to be or need to be. And we saw that today, right? They're just – they're not the finished article. Besides Rashford, there's really nobody in that front line you – fancy to score a goal that you need right you right. saw the beautiful goal from from rashford you saw the kind of little sandra martinez taking advantage of a, of a you know a bad a confluence of errors on arsenal's hands um defensively and he finished but you know there was no scintillating play there was no great counter-attack they looked even though they gave up three goals they looked solid they looked they they you know set up well but they just didn't have that besides rashford they didn't have anything they didn't have enough to match arsenal and then on Arsenal's point of view, I think it's a very small thing. But once they scored that goal, there was about four or five minutes left in the game. And they finished it out, and they finished it out beautifully. I don't even think Manchester United really had an, an attempt. Uh, right. Dressard came on and had a beautiful keep away. Um, they just they did what teams do to burn clock in big matches where they need a result. 
and that's what they did even in a small dose for that five minutes you never felt like arsenal was going to give up a goal and even when you know the martinez goal that they gave up it was an error but you didn't it, was, it didn't feel like it was coming it always felt like arsenal were in control of this game from front to back from you know sabia Saliba and Gabriel in the back. I thought Zinchenko was excellent in this game, and you know they, they you know Tommy Asu and and Ramsdale did have the one error in the goal, and that could have cost them the game. It could have cost them two points very easily. But I think you know just when you look from front to back, this is a just an excellent Arsenal team, and you know time will tell if they can hold off Man City. But um, they look like. It looks like it's it's their time. Yeah, and one last thing just to say on that Martinez goal, like his header, like it took the perfect art that, like you know, an inch either way, either it hits the crossbar or it's cleared off the line. Like it was just like the perfect art. And I don't, he'll probably tell you that that's what he meant to do, but like it just kind of came off his head perfectly and just like found the only place of the net that was going to be a goal. Um, so I think. Yeah, you can't really discredit Arsenal for that goal. Um, aside right. from the error that kind of bounced to him, and right, um, and that's not a traditional spot you're going to score a header from. No, exactly. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I think uh, it, it's good things to come, and I think uh, Arsenal are making people believe more and more every game. But we'll move on to their title rivals. Um, you know, Man United fans, Newcastle fans might shout at me, but I feel like it's becoming very quickly a two-horse race now between Man City and Arsenal. Man City, we've got two games to talk about. One, you may not want to focus on too long. Uh, the game against Spurs, which, you know, people are saying Spurs threw away a two-goal two lead. You know, they threw away the game, which, yes, by the score they did, but, like, by the game, like, how on earth were they 2-0 up at halftime anyway? I don't think that was, like reflective of how the game had gone and then man city just came out in the second half and were like oh you you think you're gonna get a result and what was it three goals in in seven minutes or or something crazy and just like nah we're winning this game what are your thoughts on the the man city spurs game and how much of it were you watching kind of between fingers and covering your face no i mean look i mean City's a great team uh, when Arsenal, I mean, we're down no more with two nil. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't like, <laughs> oh, this is done. And I think I, I said in the chat, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if City score four in the second half. And I almost slighted them because they, they just came out and they, they just said, you know, this is where Man City, we care about this. We're going to show everything we have. And, and Tottenham are just not a particularly great side, especially when you compare it to Man City. And so coming off that game, it's like, okay, is this kind of the, the spur, so to speak? <laughs> that that uh, Manchester City needed to get back in this title race, and well, what's next up on the schedule? Well, home against Wolves. Well, what do they do against Wolves? <laughs> this was just one-way traffic, really. I mean, this was a classic. You know, Wolves aren't going to have much attack. You know, you know, Man City's going to have the ball the whole game, and it's just a matter of how quickly can Man City score, and if somehow Wolves can score a goal off of something. And uh, yeah, that's basically all it was. Uh, you know, there's one guy we have to talk about shortly, but uh, this is basically one-way traffic. Holland scores an early goal. They, he scores a second goal off a penalty. Ruben Neves clips Gunduan in the box. Just a terrible, um, terrible challenge. And then, obviously, Holland scores again. And then finally, um, even late on, Gunduan had another great A chance, and he, he missed somehow. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how he missed. It was one of the worst misses of the weekend to make it 4-0. But he didn't miss it, but it didn't really matter. I mean, this was just the classic drubbing. This is a top-of-the-league team 
against a team that just doesn't have the firepower or the horsepower or any kind of power to keep up with Man City, and it was just one-way traffic. Yeah, and I, I know you try to gloss over the Spurs game as quick as you can, but I just want to go back to that. No. And what's indicative of like that halftime score? So Spurs score 44th minute and then stoppage time in the first half. And what's indicative that like that wasn't deserved is that Pep didn't actually make any subs at halftime. He didn't actually make a sub until like the 83rd minute when they were 3-2 up, right? So like all he did was like basically obviously give them a rallying speech, but it wasn't like the game was ever really beyond them despite those two goals going in. And I think that was just a sign of, you know, what Pep can do. There was talks the week before about him basically conceding the title race and saying, you know, I'm going to focus on the Champions League effectively. But this was a sign of that's not true we're we're fully in oh, we're, we're gonna try in every game we're for a little on the table a little birdie told me at halftime all he said was lads it's spurs and then you saw the reaction <laughs> in the second half yeah yeah it's like playing the charges and then uh being up down 27 nothing at halftime or something but anyway different story for a different day yeah, um mean- West Ham yeah. came back from 3-0, so it's not uh, <laughs> not hard for Tottenham to build. <laughs> but yeah, I was just like I was just impressed with that because like I think we talked about um, uh, it was in the cup, whatever we talked about Man City recently, and Pep made some halftime substitutes and completely changed the game, changed the formation, and it got mm-hmm. them back in it. Whereas this one was just it's the same guys; they were doing well, they just weren't finishing, and then they came out and finished. The Wolves game, I think we've spoken a lot about Wolves lately that you know. They may have some some grit in defense. Um, you need more than grit in defense when you're playing Man City. You need to be able to score goals, and that's something we've been concerned yeah. about with Wolves. Um, and, you know, if you can't score goals for the most part in many games, you're not going to be doing it against a Man City team who just, like, quickly took care of business. And it was, yeah, all they needed to do. Uh, much yep. more to say on, on either of those two games of Man City. <laughs> if we, are they, is it a two-horse race, or am I being yes. unfair? Yes. <laughs> it's a two horse race. It was a two horse race two weeks ago. It was a two oh, horse race on. a week I ago. I gotta keep people excited, otherwise they're gonna. No, stop listen. To Manchester United fans should be excited. Newcastle United fans should be excited. That I think their best years are ahead of them. They're on the beginning of their upward trajectory. But this title this year is not in their plans. I don't think, unless something very crazy happens. Yeah, yeah. And I think we can jump over to Newcastle. Wait, uh, just one last thing. Just sure. one last thing. Uh, Erling Holland, uh, you know, we didn't go too much into TDL, but he's pretty good at football. <laughs> he has 25 goals this year, which is more than anybody else had last year, uh, which is incredible. Because <laughs> so uh, halfway through, when I season. look at the calendar, it's still January. <laughs> and this is his fourth hat trick of the year. Yeah. Can you name me the other two players in the Premier League era that had four hat tricks in one season? In one season, I don't know. Like he's, I, I, I read the stat that he's scored now the same amount as Mo Salah, and he scored more than Cristiano Ronaldo. So I'm assuming it's not those two. Uh, no. Four hat tricks in a season. Maybe Aguero did it because I think he nope. has the most hat tricks. No, not Aguero. Nope. Uh, I passed. Then you're gonna have to break this one to me. Uh, Alan Shearer. Okay. And then one season wonder Harry Kane. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's breaking records pretty much every game at this point and it's just insane uh how much he's scoring and how easy he makes it look um and yeah like i say he's now scored more premier league hat-tricks in 19 games than ronaldo did in however many seasons through two spells at may united uh you know you think of all the scoring great sherry scored i don't know how many share ended up with he's probably nearing him 
Yep. Salad's been here for what feels like ten years now, and he's equaled him. Um, like it's just it's just relentless. It's just insane, and you know, I I fear for every other team um, over the next few years. You know, there's talks that he's it's just a stopgap on his way to Real Madrid. Um, I think if he's just winning trophies for fun and scoring goals for fun here, I don't know why he would leave. I'm pretty sure the uh, Man City board aren't going to be afraid to give him a pretty penny either to do well, so, so. you know, the weather in Madrid is significant. <laughs> yeah, we can I talk to Gareth Bale much. about that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, he's... Yeah, uh, he liked the golf. <laughs> yeah, well, um, like I say, we can move on to, to Newcastle. Um, I don't think we have a ton to say against about their nil-nil draw with Palace. Um, again, Palace. I, we were talking about this quickly before we were recording. Uh, two decent results, you know. Palace taking on Newcastle and, and Man United, two of the top four, getting a point from each. Your point is that you win one, lose one, you still get more points. Um, but I think in terms of consistency and you know giving. Uh, some confidence to that Palace team. This is decent, especially in the Man United game. They went one 0 down and they pulled it back um, with a beautiful free kick. Uh, we should probably give credit to that goal. It was uh, the perfect free kick. Um, but yeah, this game I think highlights something else that we've talked about uh, a lot. Is Newcastle are very good at the back, where are the goals coming from, and this this was a perfect example of that. I don't know how much you watched Newcastle Palace. It was not the most uh, exciting of games. Well, I have my eye on fourth place, so I, I feel obligated to watch every uh, Newcastle <laughs> match. Um, so, yeah, I think this is basically what we've kind of talked about, what ails Newcastle is just who is going to score goals for them, right? They just they don't have a Marcus Ratchford. They don't have a Hurricane. They don't have a Nketia right now. They don't have a Saka. They, don't, you know, they just do not have that, right? You know, these are nice players. You know, Almiron, Joe Linton, Willick, Guillermoj, Longstaff. Kieran Trippier right back obviously is a you know huge weapon. They just don't have, you know, the target man that you you're gonna need to, you know. I mean, Callum Wilson was starting up front. I mean, that's a nice <laughs> player, but that's not a you know a Champions League quality play striker, you know. And you know, I think that's just kind of what this game was. I mean, they they have they created opportunities. I think their xG was close to 1.5. They they were in control. Um, Palace didn't really have much going forward at all and that's due in part to how good Newcastle's defense is but at the same time you know you need to get three points this is an away fixture so you know a draw here and there is not going to kill you but you know this is a game if you're Newcastle you'd like to get three points um and they weren't able to and and honestly late they were actually lucky Nick Pope made a huge save on uh, Mutata late um which kept it one which I mean kept it nil nil because it was there was a possibility there would have been a little bit of a smash and grab from Palace to uh, claw out all three points. So I think that was Newcastle their first shot on target all game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was right, exactly. right at the death. But, but yeah, so, I think, yeah, go ahead. Just one last thing: the transfer window is almost over. So if Newcastle want to make any late business, try and bring a striker in. I know they have financial fair play issues, but uh, might not be the worst idea. Yeah, and like I said, I think it's something we've addressed, and uh, their defense just looks. Looks solid. It's going to be hard to score against Newcastle. Their defensive record is insane. They've still not, I think, when was the last time they lost? Like October, like something. So, you know, they're they're on a good run of form. But I think it's, uh, these are the games, as we talked about with uh, with Arsenal, you know, going on to try and win that game against Man United. Like, that's what they need to be looking to do if they're 
true title contenders and i think it's still a work in progress and um you know top four will be a blessing because that will just attract so much more talent uh in the summer that they can you know like you say they've got deep pockets so they don't need to worry about the finances but it's about getting in the champions league so that then you can attract those players that want champions league football and kind of building something that you can say look we're going to be in a title hunt and we're going to be in the champions league come play for us and it's a lot easier to attract stars that way um another team do you know with... who sorry do you know ahead. who the last team that be newcastle is there's liverpool yes it liverpool? August 31st. Yeah. yep yeah back when, <laughs> yeah, back when liverpool was still in the mix like, a week into that... the season <laughs> Newcastle have about eight or nine draws, so that's you know those add up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, another team that don't uh, have issues with attracting stars and have deep pockets is Chelsea. Uh, we saw Liverpool and Chelsea, you know, oh. a storied fixture. I think this is the first time it been nil nil since about 1972. Uh, Olin can fact check me on that, but it's definitely over 50 years since these two had, had a nil nil draw um, in the league, right? In the league. In the league. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but even their Champions League fixtures, uh, you know, when they had those couple of years, like they were having three three draws and and whatnot, and it's just uh, exciting fixture through the years. And this was far far from exciting. And I think in part it was because both of these teams uh, are pretty much the mirror image of each other in terms of uh, kind of where they're at. They're not obviously meeting expectations this season, and they don't want it to get any worse. Uh, so there was a lot of we don't want to lose this game so by by virtue of not wanting to lose it also means they don't really want to try and win because they don't want to commit too much uh, and, and cost themselves and uh, I think that was pretty evident as this game went on and uh, yeah I think the only thing that annoyed me about this game as a Liverpool fan was uh, all the commentary around the game of this being a great result for Chelsea um, I think it was equally good or equally as bad whichever if you're half half full, half empty kind of person. But uh, I think the draw was not very good for either team, um, you know, especially if they are looking at top four. I think this almost kind of takes them out of it. Um, you know, they're now, was it, 10 points off top four, uh, which is a lot to make up, uh, especially when Newcastle and Man United, I know Man United just lost, but they're not losing a ton. Um, so to turn around a 10-point deficit in half a season is, is a big ask. And yeah, I think I guess the the angle is that Chelsea were the away team, so that's why it's a better result for them. But uh, what are your thoughts on on the epic nil nil draw at Anfield? Keeping a little hard on Chelsea, I thought Chelsea were you know not like clearly the better team, but I thought they were slightly better than Liverpool um, on the day, especially in the second half. And I think the one huge big takeaway that Chelsea fans should have is um, still working on the pronunciation. I think it's Mudrick. I keep wanting to say Modric, but it's, I think it's Mudric. Yeah, it, um, it sounds very similar to that. So that's, that's yes. how I always think of it. So I'm trying to differentiate that, but um, <laughs> he looked like a, I mean, it was only for a half, but uh, not even a half, maybe 35, 40 minutes. He looked very, very shifty, very talented. Yeah. Uh, he, he, you know, when he was on the pitch, Chelsea looked like they had more of an attacking oomph. So that's something for the future. I think Chelsea fans should get excited about, but yeah, I thought Chelsea played pretty well, especially away and yeah, look, it was a nil-nil. They couldn't score, but you know, I think if you're a Chelsea fan, you should be decently happy, especially with the big uh, Mudrik uh, appearance in the second half. But for you, I have a couple questions. <laughs> sure. uh, so Klopp decided to change things up. It looks like a little bit. Yeah. In this game, uh, so I got to ask you first and foremost, 
who is who was playing in the midfield? Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Bajatic? Yeah. He's like a... Who is that? He's about 18 years old. Uh, he came okay. on... Uh, he looked I think young. He was in the he cup. In the cup, he came on and scored. Um, scored a nice goal. Uh, my issue... Okay, and thanks for ch- triggering a little rich rant here. Um, my issue is... I don't think the issue is necessarily personnel, and I've, I've mentioned this a few times to you and Olin and, and different people. Is like, I think Liverpool need to try a different formation. So, yes, he kind of Klopp decided, okay, this personnel is not working out. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, probably the most notable, dropping to the bench. Um, but he still played the same setup and the same formation. And I just think <coughs> players like, although Harvey Elliott scored a beautiful goal a week ago like, he just looks lost in this formation I th- personally I think they need to go back to basics go 4-4-2 um, I would then play Trent actually in midfield uh, and, and play someone who was benched Milner got the start correct yeah Milner was... started there okay. so I, I would play I would play Trent in midfield <laughs> as opposed to like he can't defend it's it's you can't even hide it anymore because he's not well doing, either can Thiago and he still plays so true but I don't like, know how he plays, but exactly. But like this, yeah. this format to me, it's more the formation than the personality. They've got like players don't forget how to play football, right? Like Trent Alexander-Arnold was one. No, of No, but they best get players. old. They do, but Trent Alexander-Arnold hasn't. Trent Alexander-Arnold was like yeah, but twenty-five. I, I think this is a huge, <laughs> and I don't want to, you know, put it be a black cloud on Liverpool, but this is just what Klopp system, you know, the gagging press, and this is just mm-hmm. this is seven years of just brutal football you know high pace high leverage it's wonderful to watch but it takes a toll and you have to properly refresh the squad constantly and i think this is why we saw at dortmund if uh you know the seventh year you know he was sacked at Mainz in the seventh year the same thing he's a he's a great coach he has a brilliant system but it wears down players and this season you're coming off last year where you guys played more more fixtures in europe than anybody you know so I just, you know, I didn't think it would come this quick, but I'm not surprised. And I, you know, I'm not saying the formation won't won't help. I think it will. But I just look at the squad and I'm like, you know, Cody Gakpo, I would like your thoughts on him. I would like your thoughts on Harvey <laughs> Elliott. I just, I don't, like, Salah did not look good in this game. I mean, he had a Salah couple looks like he doesn't care. Boom. Like, Salah he looks me. old. So, like, I just, like, when I look at the squad, I'm like, what am I, what am I excited about? Like, even when we talked about Chelsea, right? I mean, <laughs> even someone is, you know, Harvey Hall. But, like, Mudrick and and you know they at least have you know uh, Mason Mount. Um, yeah, so there's at least something there. But like, what am I what am I excited for in this Liverpool eleven? Nothing, right? <laughs> and, uh, like, but th- but this is more this is th- like, but that's more fuel to my change the formation attitude because like this format, like you say, this his style. Like the year they won the league, the year before when they missed out by a point, and it was like you know they got like the second or third most points ever, but still finished second. Um, like they were relentless then, but like you say, it takes its toll. You look at some of these players; they were there for all of that. They were playing for all of that, and they didn't really get a break. But like. But then they don't have the squad, right? They don't have the depth of a Man City. They don't have the depth of, say, a Chelsea. And part of that's on them, you know, like they do spend money. You know, Naby Keita has been there for five years or so now and has been pretty much terrible or injured the whole time he's played for Liverpool. So you can't just blame it on them not spending money because they do. But this is the squad you have. (laughs) To continue to try and get them to do what they were doing, like in their prime, in their 
kind of peak physical prime as well without having 200 300 games over the last five years on the clock like you you've got to play to that and and they're not they're still trying to play the the, the liverpool way or the clock way without having the ability to do it and teams know what to expect right they know yeah. oh trent is going to bomb forward he's now tired so he doesn't have that pace to be able to track back anymore so we'll just target down the left wing and he's out of position most of the time and we'll get in around the back right like it, it, they're not doing anything to help themselves by continuing right. to try and do this when it's obviously not working you know if this was one two games of like okay they're looking a bit tired move things around let's see what happens Fair enough. We're now halfway through a season where it's clearly not working. They clearly don't have it in them to be able to play this style. And that's where I think Klopp is coming short of like trying to rinse and repeat. And it's like, you know, the first sign of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. It's like, well, that's not working now. So what are you going to do? Yeah, you're taking, you, you, you're rotating the squad, but, you know, what's James Milner going to do at age? I don't know. I feel like he's been 36 right. forever. I do not have a younger player or anything. Uh, yeah, and I do want to. I do want to point out the injuries. Like Diego Hoto or Luis Diaz in this squad would be better than Harvey Elliott or Gakpo. But you just signed Gakpo for fifty million, so it's a little odd how poorly he's looked. Um, obviously, Virgil Van Dyke's out, but he wasn't the same Virgil Van Dyke. Same thing with Firmino. And for me, the one surprise for me was I don't know why Darwin Nunes didn't start. I know he's not necessarily the greatest finisher, but to me, he's the most you know, he's your most attacking-minded player, the most creative player, you know, the player that, to my eye, has looked the best going forward despite his, you know, poor finishing at times. So, for me, he should be starting almost every game. Yeah, and but he's again, the only player I, that runs know. with effort as well. Like, I saw a video yeah. comparing him to Gatpo, and Gatpo, like, has basically already given up on this experiment. Like, it's yeah. just... He, like, whereas Nunes, yeah, you can correct, like he has his faults in front of goal but like i'd rather have someone who is hounding down defenders making them think about what they're doing as opposed to just kind of stepping back and giving them the time but um yeah the gagpo thing i think i said at the time when they signed him like this was not the issue of louisville they didn't need him um they need midfielders yeah they they need need drew bellingham yeah and like i said they're they're waiting for him and i'm 99 percent sure they're not getting him so <laughs> I, I don't know why they're still waiting for him and saving all this money for a player they're not going to sign um you know hopefully they prove me wrong and get him because watching him in the dortmund game he's exactly what they need like he's a hard-hitting creative midfielder um yeah i think it's just a mess and i, I just there's there needs to be more change and there needs to be um more than just kind of personnel change there needs to be change in style because teams know what to expect they know what they're getting and it's we're not getting anywhere but that's enough that's enough on this terrible terrible team I agree. I agree. um but it's fun because there's a lot to talk about <laughs> there is a lot to talk about and it's an interesting time because um you know you've got to give Klopp a lot of credit from where he came in and where he took Liverpool um so it's hard. No, no, it's no. Hard no. To criticize. This is nothing about what Klopp has done. He's transformed the club. They went from, you know, basically Not top six, top seven, years. top eight, <laughs> the challenging Man City, making what three Champions League finals. Obviously, they can only beat Tottenham in the one that they make, but you know they can never get over the hump against Madrid. But look, this has been an amazing era for Liverpool. But yeah. um, I think we're kind of seeing the. It's the tail the, end of it, and they yes. rested on their laurels too much, and they haven't done enough to. Not enough kind of, young legs. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking of Spurs. Uh, we kind of 
alluded to it at the top uh, of the show. Spurs uh, took on Fulham today. 1-0 victory. Harry Kane, beautiful strike uh, on the strike of halftime. Uh, curled it in. Well, he didn't really curl it. He drove it in from, from the edge of the box. Uh, what do you think of this one? It was, again, I feel like a, a lot of games this, this week have not kind of dazzled, but it's a victory for Spurs away from home. Uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> it was not da- it was not dazzling. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. But honestly, I think I don't really have too much to say about it. But I, I think basically these were two evenly matched teams today. Fulham were the much better team in the first half. Spurs were the much better team in the second half. The difference was Tottenham have Harry Kane. Fulham don't. Right. And yeah. <laughs> and it's you know it was Harry Kane today. It could be a Hingwing song if he ever turns it around. It could even be Kulusevski. The difference between Tottenham and Fulham, even though they're having, you know, Fulham, even though they look close on the table, the difference is just the talent, right? And Tottenham haven't been good this year, but they still have that top-end talent that Fulham doesn't have. And I think the important thing, and I think when we get further on here, I think, you know, maybe Chelsea get red hot. I could see them maybe getting red hot or maybe even a a Brighton. But for me, the top four is going to come down, the fourth spot is going to come down to Newcastle and Tottenham. And it couldn't Manchester United if something happens to Rashford, but I would look at those two squads, like I said, with maybe Brain or Chelsea making a late run at it. But if it comes down between Tottenham and Newcastle, you know, Newcastle are way more better are way better defensively. They've given up twenty less goals this year. But what Tottenham have that Newcastle don't, and we just talked about the issues um that Newcastle have going forward. Tottenham have Harry Kane, they have Hung Wing Son. Dave Kulusevsky, they can get results even when they play like crap. This is a kind of an example. They didn't play like crap. That's a bit strong, but they were basically even. The difference between Tottenham getting one point and three points was Harry Kane. That could be the difference down the line. You know, Harry Kane scoring key goals in Newcastle, even outplaying their opponent, they just don't have the man to finish the goals. And, you know, as bad as Tottenham, and it's important for me to remember as a Tottenham fan, as pessimistic as I've been about this year, they're still in the battle for fourth place because they still have the horses. Yeah, yeah, and like you say, I if if Tottenham won ten in a row with the players they've got, you wouldn't be surprised, right? Well, they're like, not going to win ten in a row. <laughs> but, yeah. but like they, 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 it's not unrealistic that you know Harry. It's Kane unrealistic to win ten in a row. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to three say or four not. on the trot. Yeah, yes. this is this is uh, this is game one of ten. So we'll see you in nine oh. weeks. <laughs> Um, well, to be in Man yeah. City, okay, all right. Yeah. So, but but yeah, like like you say, they've got weapons. Harry Kane is Harry Kane, one of the best, if not the best, strikers in the world over the last few years. Um, you know, I think he doesn't get the plaudits based on titles won and trophies won, and you know, it's it's one of those age old arguments of of what makes you the best. But he he, he scores goals whenever he plays for the most part so uh let's uh flip our attention to the doom and gloom of the relegation battle and it was definitely doom and gloom for frank lampard who has uh parted ways from his job at everton following the 2-0 defeat to west ham uh relegation kind of battle here and you know you 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 don't want i was gonna say that's i was gonna say you in these games you know you may not always win you may end up losing but like the way that West Ham beat Everton um I think the writing was on the wall after this for Frank Lampard because Everton were just not in this game uh two goals from Bowen take West Ham out of the drop zone um and you know they started level one points with Everton and then obviously jump up three from there and like I said I think this was more 
less about the result obviously the result matters but more kind of the way the result came um david moyes lives to see another day in, in charge of west ham and i think this was a good stepping stone for them um though i did read today that they signed uh, Danny Ings to help them with goals and he's already injured and probably missing a few weeks, which is not great when you've just spent money on a guy. Um, what are your thoughts on, on West Ham Everton? Oh, oof. Um, yeah. Well, for, my first thought was like, I'm looking at this guy Emerson and, um, you know, he's playing right wing back for West Ham, crossing in a few nice balls. I'm like, you know, is this the Emerson from like which Emerson is this? There's so many. And I'm like, oh, this is the one that was on Chelsea forever and like barely ever played. And he's finally found a home after <laughs> spending a year at Lyon at West Ham. And he looked pretty good. I was pretty. He, he served some you know nice balls. I, I think the game. These are two teams, right? Before this game, we said these two teams are fighting for a relegation, right? But when I look at this squad, West Ham should not be in a relegation fight. You know, Antonio is not. You know, he's a he's good, right? Uh, ben Rama can finish. Uh, Jared Bowen, this game, scored both goals, right? Um, kind of one of them off a deflection, and the second one, he made a great run into the box and finished. But, you know, Paqueta, this is a guy who's playing for the Brazilian national team. He was starting in the World Cup. Declan Rice, we know, you know, he's going to be going for 85, 90 million pounds. Kurt Zuma, you know, Fabianski's older, but he's still solid, right? This is a West Ham team that they should not be in a relegation battle. And I think they really showed their class, right? Yeah. Just looking at their front three, right? Bowen, Ben Rama, and Antonio. They're not great, right? But that's good enough. And when, especially when you compare it to what Everton have on the other side, right? Wolby, Calvert Lewin, and Gray. That's just not going to get it done. And when I look at this Everton, when I look at this Everton side, I just, I, do, I don't see it, right? You know, their their big, their big player is Anthony Gordon, who's just, just misses so many chances, you know. Um, and I didn't even mention on West Ham side, they have Skamaka too, who was who was out hurt. And as you mentioned, they've you know he's now hurt. But Danny Ings was, I thought, a very smart addition for 15 million. Um, you know, a guy who you know can score goals for West Ham, right? That's just adding another guy up front that can score um, when he does get back healthy. Yeah. And why isn't Everton in for a guy like that? They could use it, right? So for me, I think going forward, West Ham, they should not be in a relegation battle. They should be, you know. 13 14th it's it's very disappointing and they're really underachieving to be in the spot but with everton i don't they you know we, we've talked offline maybe sean dice is coming in they might take a chance on wayne rooney uh maybe bielsa who knows i mean you can't really get two more different guys than bielsa and sean dice so it seems like they don't really necessarily have a clue where they're going yet but i mean i don't even know where to begin with this everton team like <laughs> what do you do get solid at the back I, I i just don't know yeah, it's pretty lifeless, um, and like I say, it, it was more about the way they lost. Um, and, and West Ham, I wonder if an, there's an element, you know, they got to the Europa League semi-final, I believe it was last year, and you know, we're talking West Ham. No, oh, that was Conference League. Conference League, whichever one it's called. But it's anyway, a big difference, trust me. But in terms of number of games, that's where <laughs> I was going with this. Um, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in terms of number of games, like we talk about Liverpool and the number of games they played last year, and I think uh, this this team is probably a lot thinner in the squad than, than Liverpool should be. So well, you're not you... used. You're used to Champions League football, but don't worry. <laughs> You're going to start getting used to Europa League and, and Conference League, and you're going to know the difference in a few years. <laughs> but, yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Uh, I'm a Spurs fan. I'm well-versed. <laughs> but, yeah, I think when you look at this team, like you say, like these were good enough to go on that Europe run. Um, there's no reason why they shouldn't be good. Um, and I do wonder if it's just kind of 
the the backlash of of that long season last year and then like you mentioned they did have some players away at the world cup as well so this isn't a team that's probably the most fresh it could be uh and you know but i think this weekend was a sign that 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 west ham team is still there uh and they can do well and i think it's it's a good sign for them uh and these are the games you need to win and i know i'm going to say that every week in, in a relegation battle you're playing a relegation uh team or battle team at, at home you got to be you got to be picking up points there and that's going to be, be the difference between you and the drop zone um but yeah i i i, I fear for everton um and I say that honestly, despite being obviously Liverpool's rivals, but they're in a bit of a rough spot right now. There's a lot of kind of discontent with the the fans and the board, and I think Lampard was just kind of caught in the crossfire. You know, it's how it always goes in football. It's the coach that loses his job, um, and I, I don't know what you know. He was the hero, what six seven months ago when he managed to keep them up, and it wasn't exactly like last year they had a great season. Um, so I think uh, it's it's a battle for whoever comes in, and it's just going to be what direction they take. And I said to you before, and they probably wished that Moyes had been sacked from West Ham, and they probably would have asked him to come back uh, and kind of rekindle that love for the team. But alas, no. Um, and I think it's a, an uphill climb uh, for Everton. But we'll move on to another kind of relegation <laughs> battle, which saw Bournemouth and Forest uh, share the point um, or a point each. Forest doing what they needed to do, equalizing late on. Brendan Johnson with the assist. Welsh Wizard at it again. Um, not a ton to say about this game. <laughs> it was it was uh, kind of a relegation battle um, in terms of the, the quality. Bournemouth managed to score, um, but they can't hold on at home. Um, and you know, I literally just mentioned this about West Ham taking care of business at home. Bournemouth, uh, you pegged them the last few weeks as the team definitely getting relegated, and you know they now sit in the bottom three with Everton and Southampton, and uh, I think they've got a bit of a mountain to climb. But what are your thoughts on on Bournemouth and Forest? There's one person to blame for this draw. <laughs> Your fellow countrymen. Do you know who I'm talking about? My fellow countrymen. Yes. Uh, there's there's many of them. Which which one are you going for? I'm he, guessing. he plays for Bournemouth. Let me see. I'm gonna pass. You, I'm drawing a blank. Pass. You're gonna pass. I'm gonna pass. Oh my goodness. Oh, is it Kiefer Moore? Oh well, there we go. And to be Jesus. fair, he he, he was he, uh, no, no no he was wait. horrific. He was horrific. His link up Early for the goal the, was good. No, I'm no, just no. saying. He, he's, he had a grade A opportunity <laughs> in front of net and balloons it over the net. Balloons it. When you're born with, this is this was a must win. You had to get three points here. They were in a position to do it. They're up 1-0 and he balloons it, right? So that's bad enough, right? They should be up 2-0. And then what does he do? He has a horrific backheader. When he's when they're trying to clear the ball, sets up Gibbs White, Gibbs White quickly passes it on to Johnson, and Surge finishes it to tie it one-one. It was so bad from Kiefer Moore on both ends. He should have scored to make it two-nil, and then he is the biggest reason why Forrest score uh, Forrest scored and equalized and killed Bournemouth. I mean, it was just horrific. You know, when you know if if Bournemouth go down by two points, I don't know how you don't blame Kiefer Moore. <laughs> it was just, it was so bad. I can't believe you didn't notice that. Maybe but, you're yeah. blinded by the, his Welshness, no, but he, was but he also he also got the hockey assist on the goal. 
I'm just saying. Like, oh. I, I, like without him, they don't score either. So. Oh yeah, that's one way. <laughs> if they, it, oh, he was so bad. Oh. To, to be fair, right? Kiefer Moore, <laughs> I, I love the guy. Uh, yeah. you know, he was. He, he he should have started that game against the yeah. USA and yeah, the whole World Cup is a different story. Uh, but, but he's he's useful for one thing, and that's basically winning a header. Um, oh. You know, he's not, not known. finishing him. No, exactly. He's a, but he's not known, like he is the guy that, and he's big, he's strong. You boot the ball up to him, he's oh, gonna man. win it. He's gonna hold oh, it up, yeah. and then you oh, need yeah. a Gareth Bale playing off you to, to create <laughs> something, which Bournemouth do not have. Um, but that's fair. I will take the criticism. Oh, of he was Kiefer. horrific. But yeah, I, so I, I, he was like the mole, you know. He basically <laughs> gave Forrest the point. It, it's just critical for Bournemouth. I mean, oh, I just think this really kills Bournemouth. Um, now they're officially in the relegation zone. I'm not sure how they recovered from this. It was just, it was really like a, what is it, like a hundred million difference between championship and Premier League. And uh, Kiefer Moore just might have sent this club spiraling. <laughs> I, I do think it's unfair to solely blame him, but fair enough. Listen, uh, that's my angle, game, and that's the that's angle fair, I'm sticking with. Fair. Okay, well, he was I'll horrific. Be, I'll, be on, I'll be on keen Kiefer watch from now. I would, on, I would, I would employ everyone to watch the, the for obviously the miss that he had, but then the Forest <laughs> goal. I mean, just a horrific header, just horrific. You can't be doing that. Fair, fair. Well, uh, fair. Yes, very fair. <laughs> We'll move on to uh, Southampton versus Villa. Uh, I think <coughs> this uh, keeps uh, Southampton in the mix, obviously, still bottom uh, with a long way to go and a, a big struggle. They did actually have the ball in the back of net twice uh, before going behind, but the first one was ruled off for offside in the first half, and then uh, the Ward-Prowse goal was uh, pulled back from VAR for a supposed foul in the build-up, which... I don't know how I always feel about like how far back you go that you're checking fouls on. But anyway, uh, that's a VAR story for another day. And then Villa, my boy. Oh, on that, because that, that was going to be my main talking point about this game. Um, my understanding was that the foul was... Uh, what the hell are my notes on this game? Because James Ward-Prowse went in off a deflection, as we know. Um, but I thought that... Um, it was who was it a push on? Um, it wasn't him though, right? Like it was. It no, was in no. the build up. Yeah, it was. Uh, Let me find it. So, oh. so it's never good when I can't read my notes. <laughs> I'm struggling here. It was um, begins with an E. A dozy, I believe. He. It looked like in the replays that because I, I was I didn't get a chance to watch this one live. Um, you know, being a ten o'clock fixture, but um, from the highlight that I saw, it looked like. Dozy, the, the the call out looked like it was a Dozy pushing. It was like such a weak point. Like I just, yeah. I thought it should. I thought the goal should have started. I thought Southampton were pretty hard done by that. Yeah, and I think, like I say, I I don't know. Like if the like how far back do you like? Where do you draw the line? In my opinion, I know it's like a phase of play and whatever generic response they will give you to that. Like, <laughs> You know, uh, there's probably fouls that go unseen multiple times in a game. And, like, you know, uh, to be looking back, I, I don't know. I, I thought, felt it was harsh as well. Um, and then, obviously, with then Villa scoring uh, towards, like, the last 10 minutes or so of the game. Well, what they it, score it, off of? A free kick, set piece, <laughs> Ollie Watkins. They've yeah, been their boy. best player. Finishes it off of, well, off of what? A free kick. And, you know, it was more important for, you know, 
was more important, in my opinion, for Southampton to get the three points than Villa, but they tack it on. Obviously, we just said about them selling Danny Ings, which I thought was a bit strange, but this yeah. is another key three points, and you know, this is a team that shouldn't have to worry about uh, the relegation. Yeah, I think Villa have kind of distanced themselves enough now. You know, they're only uh, a little bit behind uh, Chelsea and Liverpool at this point, a point behind. So, you know, they're, yeah. they're going to start being L- comfortable low bar. in the deal. Low bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did see something funny on Twitter that had uh, Liverpool, like a picture of Liverpool, Brentford and Chelsea on 29 points. And it said something like, oh... Ten points off uh, Champions League football, and then there was a Brighton player just responded it's like, "It's a bit harsh. We've only been in the league two years." <laughs> I thought that was funny. Anyway, hey, that was Elon brought funny back to Twitter. Comedy <laughs> is back. Exactly, exactly. It's not, it's not banned anymore. But yeah, I think uh, Villa is definitely a smash and grab, and you know, it, it, you often see this with teams fighting relegation that when it's not going your way it's really not going your way and i think it, definitely the second one uh the, the for the foul was was a harsh uh harsh way to have a goal struck off um and yeah like we don't need to go into the the var res- the debate but we'll move on to you know we've been discussing this for a while now brighton one of the more fun teams uh well really sorry go ahead no go ahead I was going to say a 2-2 two, two, two draw. Um, probably, you know, we had a lot of draws. Like I said, I jinxed things saying there was no draws last week and then we had a bunch of them this week. But this this draw was actually pretty good fun. Oh. Brighton just loved to play football. Um, they they attack. Uh, they, they love to attack. Uh, they probably should have won this game. Uh, you know, there was a few chances uh, here and there that, you know, they'd probably want back. Uh, Solly Marsh after his great performance last week we were talking about beforehand uh just <laughs> managed to basically get it set up on a tee probably around the penalty spot and just uh i don't know if he kind of did a mitrovic and kick it against his own foot or he kicked his own foot i don't even know what happened but he just it was uh, the mer- it was the worst it was the worst miss of the week with a lot of bad keeper more <laughs> well keeper more was more consequential but yeah this i think this one should have was even worse yeah, but uh, you know it's nice to see Leicester scoring a couple of goals. Uh, we've, yeah. we've spoken about that a little bit and our concerns around their ability to score. Um, yeah, but Brighton probably, like I say, feel a bit hard done by. But this was definitely fun, attacking yes. football, teams wanting to to win, wanting to score. Uh, much to say on this one? Yeah, I thought it was a very fun game to watch, and this is kind of the classic game of it wound up two two, but. Um, Brain scored two wonderful goals, and Leicester kind of scored two, you know, kind of chintzy goals. Uh, you know, the Alberton goal was kind of off a deflection. He was there. Harvey Barnes was off a corner, gets deflected. He's sitting there around right the left goal post, the easy finish. And then you look at the two goals that Brain scored. The Matoma cuts in, um, off the, yeah. you know, cuts in from the right side, like the reverse of the soccer move and buries it in the top corner just a really brilliant finish uh you talked about the terrible Sally marsh miss and then the the second goal was um and that 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 Sally marsh miss was set up off of the um a beautiful matoma cut and he cuts yeah. the ball right in front of the net and he misses it and then um you know the second goal by ferguson you know off the header was a good goal too so um you know the zabra has this team has this team playing well and i think if you're neutral and you want to watch any team, uh, you want to watch Brighton. They just play so well. Um, they, they play football. 
Uh, like you'd want, like uh, you'd want a upper to middle tier team to play. Uh, I think they were a little bit unfortunate not to get the full three points here. And this is the one team that I believe, outside of Tottenham or Newcastle, could really maybe make a make a stand for a top four at the very least. Um, they should really have their goal set on top six finish and getting into Europa League. Yeah, and obviously with Trossard leaving, um, I actually think that's good for the team. Obviously there was kind of some uh, aggro between him and the club before he left. I think he basically got too big for his boots, in my opinion, and felt like he deserved to leave, um, which I never like to see, um, especially when you've kind of come up like from nowhere uh entitlement is not great but i think they proved in this game that without him they can still score goals matoma looks like uh a great player to to replace him and uh, he, like you say he scored a beautiful goal and then should have had an assist if solimash could finish um but yeah i think the the future is bright no pun intended for brighton um and i yeah there's two things guaranteed uh in in the Premier League at the moment, and that's uh, Brighton overs and Newcastle unders. So just bet on those every week, and you'll be laughing. Uh, anything else to say on this one before we move on to the final game of the week? Nope, oh, I think you said it all. So <coughs> final game, uh, another save the best draw. for last. Uh, I I think I'm I enjoyed this more than you did, Joe. Uh, I felt like uh, yes, you're going to tell me that the XG was worse than like most teams, like the combined XG was worse oh. than most teams. Uh, total for this week but I just felt like I don't know there's something about Leeds they, they, they yeah. I don't know if I'm just drinking the Jesse Marsh Kool-Aid uh, at this point but like they do play like they, they want to win they seem like they wanted to win this from my from my my eye on the game um, more so than Brentford I think Brentford were just kind of happy to, to get a point and didn't try too too much but they still had their chances but uh yeah, it was nil-nil. I uh, don't have a time to say after all of that, after saying I enjoyed it. Um, what were your thoughts on this one? I know you were not quite as as impressed. I thought uh, Rhea made a couple of great saves on Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was one other one he made a nice save on. So, you know, potential Tottenham future keeper. I thought you looked good in this game. Uh, but, yeah, this was just a dull, rancid affair. And a good friend on Twitter said... Uh, about this game one team can't attack being leads the other doesn't want doesn't want <laughs> to attack in in brent it was just a weird game i was expecting it to be far more open i expected brentford to want to win and they just did not uh, neither team seemed like leads just seemed like they physically couldn't and brentford just seemed like we don't want to and it was just a it was really a terrible game and i think the big takeaway from this game going forward is you know i think leads are a real contender to get relegated you know if you put a gun to my head right now, I'd probably say Everton, Southampton, and Bournemouth. But you know, I think Wolves, I think Wolves and Leeds are kind of right there in that next tier of two or three teams that really, really should be worried because you know, it, one of these teams at the bottom is bound to get hot that we don't expect and stay up. And I think, I really think that either Leeds or or uh, Wolves could be very, very, very vulnerable. I think the only thing Leeds have going for them is that, like, I can see them scoring goals. Um, you know, there's some of the other teams that we've talked about. I know um, they scored this week, but there are some teams towards the bottom that struggle for goals. Southampton didn't score again this week. They didn't have a, a lot of luck there, as we mentioned. But 
I, I think that's the positive for Leeds in a, in a relegation battle that on a different day when they're not like Brentford are a good team, right? Like I think um, they they did what they needed to do. It was a very business like performance from them. Um, but you know when they play Leeds take on some of these teams around them, I think they've got goals in them which the other teams that they're playing may not. And I think that could be the difference. Um, but that can also blow up in your face as well if you're only attack minded and you know you end up losing a game one nil because, like we saw in this one, they don't have a ton of threat in front of them. Uh, obviously, they play more positive football, which uh, it can help them. But yeah, I think it's uh, the the top of the table is going to start ironing itself out. Uh, I think we will have a title race for some time, uh, especially with City and Arsenal playing each other. But I think the relegation battle, as it often is. Uh, towards the second kind of third uh, second half and the, the final third of the season is is kind of what's more fun to pay attention to because like you say teams you, you win two games and suddenly you're four points off the drop and then you lose the next two and you're right back in it right like it's it, it's never going to get that far apart between the top the bottom kind of eight teams I'd say uh, so it should be should be fun to watch uh Anything else uh, before we look ahead to the... Oh, we should do winners and losers. Do you want to do winners and losers before we look ahead to the to the FA Cup? Mm-hmm. Who was your winner yep. this week? Uh, <clears throat> Bundesliga football. <laughs> you know, the Bundesliga, I think, of any top league in Europe is the most fun. There's so many goals. There's just <laughs> so much... There's just beautiful play. There, There's a lot less kind of of the, uh, the theatrics of, you know, the diving that you see in... Liga MX constantly. There's less circling of the referee. It's just more of a pure form. And this week, the goals, these are the amount of goals in each of the games. 2-2-4-6-3-3-4-8-7-5. Every game had multiple goals. Did anyone keep a clean sheet? No, right? I don't believe so. Eight of the ten games had, you know... More than three goals. It was just full. And this is coming off a winter break, right? Which probably also potentially helped. I thought maybe you would see some rusty performances, but it was just more of like a rested um, attacking sides. And it was just a, a really fun week, of course. I think the Crew de Gras was Dortmund beating Augsburg 4 3. Such Gio a good Reina, game. Gio Reyna comes on, scores the fourth goal. Kind of does a little shimmy shimmy, does a Memphis Depay celebration to get back at Greg Berhalter, the, the U.S. feud that will not stop. Jude Bellingham was immense in the game. I mean, it was just a fun, fun game. Yeah, that's uh, stolen a little bit of my fun of my winner, who it was Gio Reyna, because I just thought, like, the way he scored that goal, it was a beautiful goal. Um, <laughs> I, I, actually, I, I'm going to say my winners are Dortmund as a whole. Like, that game was just great. And, like, they literally went 3 2 up with, I think it was like 10 minutes left. And, like, before you blinked, uh, forgive me, I forget who they were playing, like, hit the post, comes back to their striker who just taps it in. And it's like 3 3 out of nowhere. Like, Dortmund had been pressing for, like, the whole second half to this point. But the end, they finally got the breakthrough and then just let the goal in right away. Like, it was just wild. And then Reina's goal uh, was a thing of beauty. Uh, so. so it looks like uh, Freiburg did not score. They lose 6 0 to Wolfsburg. <laughs> and Schalke did not score. They lost to Frankfurt, okay. Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, 3 0. But, there you, go. you know. Yeah. That's As you would expect, Schalke <laughs> so are bottom of the table, and uh, Wolfsburg are uh, you know seventh. Uh, Freiburg are actually fourth, so it was kind of a, a shock result for them to get hammered the way they were. But <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, how about your loser this week? 
my loser this week has to be Juventus. Uh, <laughs> drop <Literally> 15 losing. <laughs> points. Well, you know, they they played a great game against Atlanta 3-3. I would encourage anyone to watch it. Angel Di Maria was like a blast from the past. Looks magnificent in the game. But, um, yeah, uh, shady accounting dealings. Uh, <laughs> Fabio Paratici, now the... Uh, technical director at Tottenham involved so he might not be long for England but um, yeah just more shady business a lot of clubs have done this but I guess Juventus were either the you know the most obvious or the least apologetic or whatever but um, this is a club that's like losing massive sums of money I think a couple years during the um, not the rest the um, pandemic, pandemic they lost 200 million pounds, uh, 200 million euros in a single calendar year. So this is a club. I don't know what's, I don't know. They seem like a club that could go belly up and just be a real disaster at any point. So they have to be my down. Yeah. yeah. And they, they were relegated for those who are not into Serie A or Italian football. They were relegated due to some, uh, Corruption, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. Back in the day, oh, so match it's, fixing, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's fascinating that you know you you keep breaking the rules and the penalty actually gets less severe, um, which was interesting to me. Uh, Fifteen points, they would have loved that. Uh, what was it about? Probably about ten years ago now. Um, but yeah, my loser is uh, is Danny Alves. I don't really want to get too much into this story, but he's currently in prison uh, and is probably going to stay in prison for a long time. The guy's an idiot. Keeps lying. Uh, about multiple things and uh yeah he's definitely my loser someone who was probably pretty decorated in the world of football um and then issues off the pitch uh deservedly so has has landed him in in hot water but like i said i don't want to talk too much about it but he's my he's my loser and uh him winning the world cup uh, not the world cup the the uh, olympic gold was one of uh was a sentimental story at the time yeah exactly he was yeah and well even this world cup right he was however old i was you know 38 or whatever still playing um he's been playing at a top flight level for a long time but uh if you're interested look up the story but it's uh it's kind of a sad state of affairs and he's my loser but on that happy note let's look ahead uh to the to the fa cup uh break away from the premier league but we do get uh the clash at the top of the table this friday night as man city take on arsenal uh which i think is probably one of the key uh, or most exciting fixtures to look ahead to. Um, you know, we'll get another rematch of Brighton-Liverpool. Brighton recently thrashing Liverpool last week. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Man City-Arsenal? What do you think they do here? Because I, I, I think Arsenal would be silly to play their first team in this game. But I, I'd like to hear your thoughts before I get into that. Yeah, see, I'm not scared. I like to win trophies. So I would love if Arsenal rotated their squad, but um, you know, this is you know I don't they're playing next week um, against Everton on Saturday. I think the tricky thing with Arsenal is they don't have the squad depth to rotate um, as well and still be still have a chance. So like we saw Chelsea run into this issue where they wanted to rotate a couple guy young kids in and they just got killed. So I feel like Arsenal needs to take a similar approach where either they play everyone or they just kind of play really defensive and try and get a nil-nil back at the Emirates. Um, so, you know, I would try and play a full squad here. This is the FA Cup. It matters. If if you win this and you kick out Man City, think about all the... Think about how much confidence that'll give the squad. 
but more importantly, I think just it, you have another opportunity to do the double, right? right. Um, so know, my they don't fear, really have European football, so I, I would I would really try and win the FA Cup if I were them. Yeah, my fear is you play your full team and you lose, and you still have two games against Man City in the league, which are going to be pivotal in in this title battle, and just what that does to the mentality of the team like you say obviously beating them gives you great confidence but what does losing do you know Pep's don't be soft definitely... go for it <laughs> that's fair enough that's fair enough i'm just thinking if if arsenal's true focus this year is the league i think this is one you can kind of write off um and you also don't want to you know you talk about it you can't in... write off the FA cup uh, you know man united didn't even want to participate one year because they had bigger things to concentrate on but that's I would uh... kill for an fa cup yeah, but uh, any other ties? You know, your team going away to Preston North End. Uh, that'll be a gritty game uh, up in the uh, the northeast or northwest. Sorry. Um, yeah. Anything else you got your eyes on? Yeah. So I think I think you mentioned Brighton Liverpool. That'll be a fun one. I do like to watch lower level te- uh, lower league teams. So for me, Walsall against Leicester City at seven thirty a.m. on Saturday should be a fun one. Yep. And then the winner of Accrington Stanley and Bournemouth Wood are going to face Leeds United at home. I think that's a fun one. Yep. Uh, that one's also at 730. And I think my sneaky, really good one is Southampton against Blackpool. Southampton yep. are at home. It, this is a 10 o'clock fixture. But this week they're going to be playing in the EFL Cup semifinal, the first leg against Newcastle. Um, so I think their focus is more so going to be on that game. Yeah. And I think because of that, they may be playing a week inside and maybe Blackpool. Uh, who's solely focused on the FA Cup, along with obviously not getting relegated from the championship. I think that might, I think they, if, if Blackpool puts out a strong enough squad, I think they could steal this one. Uh, championship leaders Burnley are away to uh, Ipswich Town. That should be a fun one. Fulham against Sunderland. If you long for, you know, Sunderland's past Premier League days, <laughs> uh, they'll be traveling to Fulham to Craven Cottage. Um, Tottenham away at Preston. Tottenham could lose to anybody, including Preston. That's a Saturday at 1 o'clock. And then the big fixture uh, for the TV purposes this week is Sunday. Wrexham <laughs> United. Who would have thought they're getting the big BBC glow up playing at home to Sheffield United? Uh, I think that'll be a fun game. And, you know, I'm sure the crowd will be mental and well. So we'll see. Uh, I'd love to see what that looks like. And then finally, on Monday, we have Darby playing at home to West Ham. That could be a banana peel game for West Ham. So, you know, we have a few big boys going away from home. I think we have two really fun Premier League matchups. Like, can Liverpool figure out Brighton? And obviously, the duel on Saturday, uh, Friday night, Man City Arsenal. That's this the biggest game as we can get right now. So, I think there's a lot of uh, fun. there's a couple of lower tier matchups. You know, Sheffield Wednesday, Fleetwood. Um, there's a uh, Luton Town, Grimsby Town. So. I think there's a few fun fixtures in here for the lower Stoke City, Stevenage. So I think we have a little bit of everything this week in the FA Cup. And like we did last time, just if you're, you know, halftime on Saturday or Sunday, especially Saturday when multiple games are on, just flip around, find a game you like, find a game that's competitive and just, just have fun with it. For sure. For sure. And we'll come back next week and, uh, dive into a couple of these games and probably take the same approach as last time we won't be able to go into all of these games but we'll give it a good go and it's getting less and less games now uh, as the rounds go on so be able to kind of focus a little bit more but anything else in, in the world of football you wanted to mention joe before we sign off for the night uh good luck to poland 
They just appointed <laughs> Fernand right. Santush as their manager. So uh, that's not an inspiring choice, but doesn't seem like there's too many inspiring choices uh, at the international level right now. Sure, for sure. So don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Get this straight into your uh, your inbox. Follow us on Twitter at WrongFootPod. Check out our website, wrongfootpodcast.com. And Joe, where can people reach out if they've got any thoughts, if they want to stack yeah. correct us? If they we got to work on us. this. we got to work yeah. on this at the beginning of the pod. But, uh, I'm going to record. I'm just going to cut this and paste it at the beginning as well. That's fine. Is that what there you're going to do? Yeah. Yeah, okay, perfect. So please email us at the wrongfootpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's the wrongfootpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, anything you want to mention, uh, we'll happily listen to your feedback, thoughts, and feelings. Uh, and like I say, correct us where we've probably been wrong multiple times. But anyway, Joe, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, enjoy your victory tonight. Uh, something I haven't done for a while. But yeah, take care, man. Take it easy. Ole!